right. So our recording is started here and we thank God for his goodness, for his mercy. We are continuing in this. Um, uh, we're continuing in on this theme of ours in which we are um, dealing with first Samuel chapter 17. We're looking at verses 32 all the way through verse 37. We've jumped around starting uh, really before this uh, leading up into this uh, to this series, and it has been good. God has really been speaking and 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 just doing what He and only He can do. Let's go ahead and read our base scripture for this morning. First Samuel chapter seventeen, uh, verse thirty-two through thirty-seven, and the Word of God says this. And David said to Saul, "Let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine." And Saul said to David, "Thou art not able." to go against this Philistine to fight with him for thou art but a youth and he a man of war from his youth. And David said unto Saul, thy servant kept his father's sheep and there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. David said, moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, go and the Lord be with thee. Amen. May God have a Blessing as always to those that read and hear, do and obey his word. There's nothing like our God. We have been learning a lot, family, about uh, many different topics just covering this uh, series of scripture, because really, we're just now getting really into this series of scripture. We've got quite a few lessons under our belt um, in which we've led up to this. And finally, we are here. We did a lot of talking and discussing um, about family and those sorts of things and the importance um, and the importance of uh, family, you know, and because it is important. We've, uh, we've learned quite a bit and, and uh, we ended last week again, um, dealing with some aspects and some topics of um, the family. And we learned that uh, it is families, I believe we last left off talking about that uh, it is the responsibility of family or parents to, um, to not neglect even when it comes to down to disciplining their kids. We learned about grandparents and their role and how they still have a role. And, 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 <laughs> and we also dispelled some myths. You know, some people think, you know, you get to retire his grandparents. No, you don't get to retire. The family is always the responsibility. And we looked at Exodus chapter 10, verse two, and the word of God said there, uh, and that thou mayest tell in the ears of thy son and of thy son's son. Amen. There you go. There go your grandparents. What things I have wrought in Egypt and my signs, which I have done among them, that ye may know how that I am the Lord. Amen. That glory to God. It's the responsibility of parents and it's the responsibility of grandparents. Amen. To raise the children to the, the next generation, to make sure 
that they come up in the admonition of the Lord, that they learn that fear and the reverence of the Lord. When we talk about fear of the Lord, we're not talking about terror. Amen. Amen. But when the Bible talks about the fear of the Lord, more often what it's talking about is, is that reverence. Now, when it talks about it in respect to the enemy and, you know, fearing the Lord, now that is terror. Okay. Because you got to understand, you got to understand if you, you fighting against God, you need to be afraid. You need to be utterly terrified because you're getting ready to lose. Now, that's a fight that you're not going to win. I want to let me tell that to somebody right now, because maybe somebody listening to this, you got a fight going on with God. I don't know what the situation is. Something went wrong in your opinion, in your eyes, and now you're disgusted. Now you're frustrated, and now you're mad with God. Perhaps you're asking questions, why me and all this, that, and other. Let me explain something to you. Why not you? There is nothing about you or I that makes us exempt from dealing with the, the, the suffering and the trials and the tribulations of this world. The Bible says that the trying of our faith, it is more precious than gold. It serves a point. It serves a purpose. And here's something that you need to understand, because a lot of us, sometimes we get it, we get it mixed up. God does care about you so much to where he wants to hear from you. The Bible says, come, let us reason together. God wants to know. God wants to hear from you. But you have to understand, that's not to mean that God's will is going to be halted or stopped or, or, or somehow negated because you and I have a problem with it and we go and talk to him. No, God wants to hear from you, even though he's not going to change his mind on some things. There are going to be some things that you and I go through. God wants you to talk to him. God wants me to come to him, but he don't want you coming to him, asking him so much to take it away. But rather what he wants you to do, what he wants me to do is to one request strength to overcome, but then also bless to bless his name because I might not see the work or the good that the present situation is getting ready to work in my favor. Oftentimes it's more uncomfortable at first. We don't see what God's getting ready to do. Nevertheless, it doesn't turn, change the fact that the trying of our faith is more precious than gold. It's working to work. Even if you don't see it, even if it doesn't feel good right now, the best encouragement that I can give you brothers and sisters is to hang in there. Stay with it. God is not going to fail you. And he's not going to put more on you than you can bear. Now, the devil's going to come around all day long lying and trying to make it seem like you're not going, that you're not going, going to make it and all this other kind of stuff. Listen, listen, listen. The devil is a liar. The Bible says that the devil is like a roaring lion who, Lord, who, who, who just, you know, seeking whom he may devour. All right. So there are some things you got to understand about the devil. Okay. Many times, if you look up different facts about lions and so on and so forth, since the Bible uses that analogy or uses that word picture, when you think about that, there are a lot of characteristics about a lion and its behavior, especially hunting behavior and so on and so forth. Do you know, for instance, the Bible likens the devil to a roaring lion? Well, when you look up a lion and you kind of do a little bit of deep diving on that, then you discover that a lion can only run about 50 miles per hour and only in a straight line and only for a few seconds. A lot of people didn't know that. 
only for a few seconds can a lion sprint at you or come at you or run. And most of the times when lions begin to roar, the roaring is a tactic that they use. So for one thing, a lot of people don't realize this, that lions, for the most part, hunt at night. They're nighttime predators. They need, because they need the cover of dark. They need that. Or I hope somebody's getting some similarity, some analogy, some, some concepts, uh, some pictures coming to mind uh, that associate this whole concept with the enemy. The enemy is going, the enemy is going, when things are going tough and you're feeling disappointed and hurt when it's nighttime, that's when the enemy is going to hunt. That's when you're going to find the attack of the enemy the most ferocious because the enemy needs the cover of night. Why? Because he don't have enough stamina to keep up or sustain a long-term fight. So he need every advantage that he can. And his advantage is that of surprise. The roar of the lion has the, the lion has the loudest roar of all of the cats, the big cats out there. And it is a tactic for intimidation. Also, it is a tactic that is used uh, a lot by male lions as they get older and their teeth begin to break and they can no longer hunt. What do they do? Well, they use the roar to startle the prey, to send the prey into the clutches of the pride. In other words, they use the roar to startle and to send the prey, whatever it is, running in the wrong direction toward the wrong group. I hope somebody sends in here and some analogies, some things, characteristics of the enemy. That's exactly what the devil does. And a lot of us get duped by it. The devil comes in with a roar. He don't have no teeth. He, he, he don't have the strength. He can't do anything. He can't do anything. But he wants you to think he can. So he's going to come in roaring loud and trying to intimidate. And we're going to talk a little bit about that intimidation and stuff a little bit later and all that kind of stuff. Why? Because he want to send you stampeding into the wrong direction. What does that mean? Oh, you know what? I, I'm, I'm having a hard time. So maybe I need to start taking up drinking. Oh, I'm having a hard time. So maybe I need to start dabbling in drugs. Oh, maybe I'm having a hard time. So maybe I need to step out and, and, and begin to cheat on my wife or my husband or this, that, and be unfaithful. Do you hear what I'm saying? The devil is a liar. And he's going to lie all day long, family. Listen, he ain't got no incentive to tell you the truth. The devil is not getting ready to tell you the truth. He don't have to tell you the truth. Do you hear what I'm saying? Bible says he's the father of lies. And he wants to send you stampeding. Wants to roar to startle you, make you think that everything, your life is getting ready to fall apart and everything's going to fall apart and you're going to fall apart with it. Uh-uh. Word of God says, thou shalt live and not die. And you better remember that. God has spoken favor. All you got to do is be obedient. The devil is going to always be the devil and he's going to always be somewhere trying to intimidate somebody and sending his goons and everything after you to try to intimidate you, hoping that he can startle you into making a rash decision, a decision that does not 
to take into account the will and the word of God, an independent decision, one that you didn't pray on, one that you didn't consult God with, one that you came off the, that you're shooting from the hip on. An ill-advised decision, one that don't have no counselor. Bible teaches that it's safety in the multiple, multiple of, or multitude of counselors. Amen. Amen. And I don't mean just every counselor, I mean godly counselor. So that's not just having someone talking in your ear who don't know anything about what they're talking about and just trying to do whatever it is that, no, no, that the Bible's talking about good counselors, those who are hearing from God and who are speaking after God has spoken. That means they're speaking in line with what God has spoken. They're not coming with something else. Amen. Listen, when somebody, when God's seen a good counselor, the key words of that counselor are not going to build up that counselor. No, it ain't. It's not going to build his kingdom. No, no, no. See, that's how you can tell if God sent somebody to tell you. Because when, when God just sent you somebody, let me tell you what a good counselor is going to do. When, let me tell you, help you figure out whether or not you listening to the right voices. The right voices are going to always, when God send them, they're going to point you right back to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. They're not going to build their own kingdom. They're not going to build their own fame, their own fortune, their own entourage. They're not going to do any of that. No, no, no. The counsel of God, they humble themselves. They make themselves small. And their only goal is to see you be right with God. So they give you the words of God without interference. Amen. Amen. So if you got... Um, you're going through something today and you're dealing with some things and you're looking for counseling and you're been, you've been talking to people, make sure you're talking to the right person. If that right person is giving you information that's about to lead you into worldliness and have you doing things that you know as a child of God, you are not supposed to do, then let me, let me if, if what they're telling you is making it easy for you to be disobedient, making it be easy for you to stay out of the word, making it easy for you to put off the things of holiness and righteousness, then you are listening to the wrong person and they're not worth your time. They're not worth your time at all. Not at all. God gives grandparents, God gives parents, and he gives us all the responsibility looking after the children. We also learn that, you know, parents, fathers, you know, we don't, we're, we're not to provoke our children. Okay. That means we're not going around picking fights with them and trying to intimidate them and tear them down and all that other kind of stuff. We're not supposed to be doing things on purpose that make it difficult for the children to be and remain in their God assigned place. Amen. 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 The Bible teaches that children are to honor their mother and their father. Yet we got ridiculous situations going on. Violence in the home and all of these things. And somebody who's gonna listen to this at some point whether it's day or night or evening, no matter where they are. That's why we're going to talk about it. Fathers, why is it that sons, when they should be showing respect, can't show you respect because they're too busy 
fending off your physical harm that you intend on your wife. Mothers, why is it? The same thing over and over and over. Children who can't remain in their place, who learn disrespect for their place, come to shun their place because mom and dad won't stay in their place. And children have to undertake tasks like protecting, fighting off mom and dad. Because mom and dad have been taken by the spirit of violence and anger. These things ought not be, family. These things are not to be in the household and in the family of God. Not at all. Not at all. Yet we have these things going on. And look how ridiculous it is. Parents, do you not know that your divine appointed retirement plan is your children? Yes, I know this world got you thinking that it's all your 401k and all that other kind of stuff. And that's what the world comes up with. And it's, that's there's nothing wrong with that per se. And, 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 and all of those, I'm not, not speaking against that, but look at what God says. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 3. Start at verse 3. Honor widows that are widows indeed. But if any widow have children or nephews, let them learn first to show pity at home or piety at home and to requite their parents. For that is good and acceptable before God. You know what that means? You know what that's talking about? Children taking care of the parents. When it starts, parents take care of the children but it is the plan of God that when we get older when the parents get older that the roles change and it becomes the responsibility of the children to assist and help the parents oh let me talk to them stingy kids you error before God Now that you have come of age and are able to help out at home and to help with things that you just be gone and don't have nothing to do with mom and dad. Whether you want to or not, that is a divinely assigned role that God has given to the children. And to those children who are of age and are of ability, you're responsible. God's going to hold it to you. You can think you're going to get off the hook. Yeah, I know that your childhood was not 
idea. I understand that things didn't go the way that you wanted and this, that, and the other. And mama made you mad and daddy made you mad and they did some very things. Some Listen, there are some things that we do because it is right before God. What we do must be as unto the Lord. Doing right by somebody, even our parents, is not something that we do or get to do because they have earned it. There are many parents that don't earn it. They get it all the way wrong. And it's some parents that stay wrong all the way up through the child becoming an adult and on into that. But just as with parents who get it wrong, when God get a hold of their attention and open their eyes, they are responsible to go back and do those things that they were supposed to do. So too with the, parent, with the children. You're responsible for doing what you are supposed to do. Sometimes what you do for one another has to be done in spite of one another. Meaning that people are not going to always give you reasons to want to go the extra mile. But when we go the extra mile, family, it's not because of the people. It is because of our love towards God. He makes us want to do what he's called us to do. It's a labor of love towards God. Everybody's got roles. Amen. Amen. Now, as family verifying a family verifying the condition of family or the state of family members that's a good thing amen that's a good thing david was sent by jesse his dad to check on his brothers this is a good thing and from that we are able to draw that truth out that it is a good thing for family to check on family children, be aware and check on parents, parents checking on children, grandparents and everybody just checking on each other. Amen. This is a good thing. Verifying the condition and checking the spiritual temperature of the family is a good thing. It's a necessary thing. Amen. You ought to be aware. I am supposed to be aware of the spiritual temperament and temperature of the household. Is anybody in the household getting a little bit too worldly? Is anybody in the household getting a little too close to the things of this world? Are we starting to dabble in more worldliness? Are we starting to move away from holiness? Are we starting to entertain and watch things that we weren't watching before and saying what we weren't saying before and listening to things that we weren't listening? What images are we putting before our eyes? What voices are we allowing in our ears? The spiritual temperature of the household got to always be checked. Got to check it every day and you check it through prayer. You check it through observation. Starting to notice a change in attitudes and, 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 and things. Don't just put that off. Something's going on. Something is going on. 
What we want is growth, not swelling. Swelling is a sign of infection. Amen. Amen. And so when we check the spiritual temperature of the household, whether they're here or near, whether, it doesn't matter. This doesn't require you to be all oh, everybody be living in the same. No, maybe folks have have gotten have have gotten grown and, and and are moved on, and everybody's got their own family. We still check in on one another. We're responsible for that. We are our brother's keeper. See how people are doing. The family don't just consist of your immediate family, just the ones in your household. But your extended family, everybody, all the family, we check on the spiritual temperature so that we know how to pray. We're called to be intercessors. And so we're praying and should be praying for one another. How are you going to know what to pray for if you don't know what's going on? Yes, you can pray around your general prayer and God will hear that. But how much more effective of a prayer would it be? If you could pray specifically, well, guess what, family, you can pray specifically if you check in on one another. You and I are our brother's keeper. I know this is just good old fashioned, just down home teaching the word of God. No frills, no, no, no glitz, no, no glam, none of that. Just the word of God, just the way it's supposed to be. Because it's not me that you need to hear. It's God that you got to hear. God is pulling on our coattail. God's trying to get our attention, trying to get us to wake up. We got family members who are going astray in our own household before our very eyes, and we, and we are watching it happen. But brothers and sisters, you got to say, not on my watch. As the Lord God Almighty, Jesus Christ, give me strength, not on my watch. I'm not letting mom, I'm not letting dad, I'm not letting son, I'm not letting daughter, I'm not letting brother, I'm not letting sister, I'm not letting grandma, I'm not letting grandpa, I'm not letting you go. I love you too much. And you got to have that. You got to have that. And if the love has waned and that's not your story and you don't feel the love like that, that can happen. We'll feel the love for the Lord Jesus Christ. Love him enough to check in on everybody else because it is right before God. You honor God when you do that. And guess what? God got something in it for you too. God know how to repair those areas. Mothers, are you estranged from your daughters? Daughters estranged with mom? Fathers, are you estranged from your son? Sons, are you estranged with dad? God can fix that. Have you gotten so hardened and bitter that you said, I don't want it? Of course you want it. You've just been hurt so many times. And the devil lying to you so often. You just think that you don't want a good relationship. Think you're better off without it. 
Why bother? And it's not worth the effort. No, that person may not be, but you know who is worth it? God is worth it. And he is a God of resurrection. Jesus said, I am the resurrection. You know what that means? Family means he can call things back to life. A relationship that you thought was dead and gone, but your heart had been longing for. Let's put some prayer on that and see what God will do. If God don't do that, then I tell you what God will do. Because if, it's, if, if, if biological mom and dad never get it together, grandma and grandpa never get it together. Do you know that God has made us one family in him? Do you know how many mothers and fathers and grandmas and grandpas God got in the kingdom? Do you think he cannot assign someone to take up that role? Oh, yes, he will. Yes, he will. We serve a good God. And he knows your heart and he knows that area where you're hurting and you need a little ministering in there. I know you try to run away from it. Hoping that avoiding it will make, will lessen it. And it haven't really done something done. So all this really left is probably a hole or a place that you, that you can't quite plug up. Well, here's the thing. Why don't we tell God about that? Just straight up, be honest. Tell God, I want that. And you watch what God will do. But be willing to do your part. Because whoever God puts in your path to serve in that role, as mom and dad and grandma and grandpa, you become responsible to take up the responsibilities as meted out in the scripture in how to honor that person. There is a way that mothers and fathers and grandparents and there are to be honored and respected. So when God restores that, when God gives that, be ready to, do, be, be ready to hit the ground running because now you take on the responsibility of, as a son and as a daughter. This is just good old holiness teaching, right? Just right teaching right down the line. Everything God gives you, you got to do it God's way. You can't, you can't, listen, it just can't work any other way. Checking on family was a good thing. Knowing the temperature of the family is a wonderful thing. Verifying the condition of the family. But I want you to take a look at something. Turn to 1 Samuel check 17. I want you to look at verse 22. Now, David at this point, now keep in mind, David has been sent by Jesse to check in on the brothers and to bring those provisions. And if we reverse, the, and if we put it in the proper order, what he was actually told to do was to bring the provisions and then check in on his brothers in order to bring that proof of life, right? Because Jesse wanted to know, and we have already, we, we, we spent many lessons explaining what all of that um, was was based on. Jesse sent David. David came home to keep the flock, to tend to the sheep. And afterwards, when he had done that, amen, 
when he had done that, David was to then check in on his brothers. Now, I told you to turn to 1 Samuel 17, 22, all right? Now, but I want to do something first. I want you to back up just a few scriptures, all right? Let's look at verse 19. Now, Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah fighting the Philistines with David, and David rose up early in the morning and left the sheep with a keeper. Now, I want you to watch this, okay? Now, watch this. David, this guy already has his instructions, and he's on his way now. So the first thing that David does, okay, with the instruction, because when he got home, he was keeping the sheep, all right? So the first thing that he does is, is that he left the sheep with the keeper, all right? Amen. Keeping the sheep is a spiritual representation of ministry, okay? Or tending to the flock of God. We are the sheep of God. Okay. Now, David is a shepherd and he's now tasked with some other duties. Okay. There were more duties than just to do than just keeping the sheep. And David's new set of duties were to take provisions, amen, and to bring back proof of life. Okay. That's what he needed to do. That's his other job for. It, and, and if you and if you really want to look at it, the, the sheep that's far away. Okay, so he's got the group, he's got a flock that he's dealing with, but now he got to go check on some other sheep, so to speak, for lack of a of a better way of putting that. But I think you get the you're, you're getting the picture here. But what David does is is that he leaves the sheep with a keeper, and then he took and went as Jesse had commanded him, and he came to the trench and the host was going forth to fight and shouted for battle. Now, David did not just leave the sheep with anybody. <laughs> Glory to God. Glory to God. He left them with a keeper. A keeper of the sheep is what that is talking about. So another shepherd, so to speak, is what he did. He didn't leave the sheep in the care of somebody who was unqualified to keep them. But he left them with somebody who was able to keep them. Now, in the interest of families, we're just talking about it. We're just talking about it, both spiritually and, and, and physically. You cannot, let me put it this way. Not everybody is qualified to keep the sheep. Let me, let me address the problem of church hopping for just a minute. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me dig into that for just a moment. Many of us 
God has placed us under leadership, under pastorship, within a ministry that is focused on holiness. Amen. And when we talk about holiness, we talk about purity before God, righteousness before God. Amen. You can't have holiness devoid of obedience to the word of God. You only get holiness when you obey and abide by the word of God. But somehow, somewhere, offense comes in. Maybe the church doesn't do some things that you wanted them to do. Maybe they did not respond the way that you wanted them to respond. Maybe they didn't notice some things. You and your family are there and you're, you attend the church and, 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 and at first it was, it, 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 was all, it was all good. But then something, whatever it could be, it doesn't matter, but offense comes in. And now all of a sudden, The devil comes in right on the coattails of the offense. Then starts to run game on you, telling you things like, well, you know what? Why, you know, you, you've done all this. You've done all that. Why go through all this? Why go through all that? Why all this effort? Why all of that? And what the enemy is doing is really attacking the standard of holiness that you have been living in or that you have been adhering to. You've been abiding by the word of God. You've been adhering to the word of God. And when you do that, it produces holiness. That's just, that's just what's gonna happen. And so you walking in, you've been walking in that holiness. But yet and still, Jesus said, offenses must come. And so in, in, in accordance with the word of God, an offense does come. And leadership disappoints and all this kind of stuff. It happens, I've seen it all before all of these different things and you hurt and you get disappointed. This is on the heels of you having been faithful and walking in this holy. So then the devil comes, starts running that game, telling those lies, the devil doing what the devil does because he is a liar. Then he starts getting you to question your commitment. Was it worth it? all the effort and all of these different things. And so then what ends up happening is, is that the, the, instead of dealing with it, instead of being focused on God, and let me tell you this, whenever you are unfocused on God, then when the offenses come, you're not going to be able to get over them. Now, I'm not going to tell you that you're not going to notice offense. You're going to notice that. An offense is still an offense. And when you get offended, you know it. But there is a difference between knowing it and being and not and being able to get over it. Those are those two different things. Some get offended, but they can't get over it. And those that can't are those that lose their focus on God, because God allows you to overcome offense. That's what He does. So if you take your eyes off of God in the midst, see, look, in the middle of an offense, that's when you want to have your eyes more on God than ever before. Why? Because if you don't, 
you are really going to run the risk of double tracking and double backing and going back and, and saying, you know what, forget it. It's not worth it. And so you have some people who have done that. Offended to the point of walking away. Why? Because they took their eyes off of God. And when they took their eyes off of God, they were no longer able to receive the provision that God puts in place in order to help you overcome offense. Bible says, look to the hills from which cometh your help. All my help, all my strength come from the Lord. Offense will cause you to, it will leave you feeling helpless. But hear that songwriter telling you, look unto the hills from which cometh my help. I'm going to look to the hills which cometh my help. All my help, all my strength comes from the Lord. God put things in place. Yet people have been offended, took their eyes off God. And then the devil caused them to start questioning. The effort that they've put in all those years and all that time. So then what the devil does is, is that he tells you, you know what, forget this church, go on and find a new one. And what many people do is they go and find, they don't just go find another church. They don't go find one like they, the church they came out. No, they don't do that. They don't go find another church with, with, with standards of holiness. They don't do that. Most people don't do that. Because when the devil gets in your ear, reminding you about all the work you put in and how nobody, this, that, and the other, all leaving out the part that what you did was for God and not for somebody else, this shouldn't have been. Then all of a sudden, guess what? We get offended. We go find another church but not one like one that we came out of. No, one that don't require so much. One with lesser standards of holiness. Ones that allow you to do a little bit more of this and a little bit more of that. Because what the devil is doing is he's wanting to chip away at your desire to be like God, hoping that in its place, you will substitute the desire to be like God, which leads you to holiness. You substitute it with a desire to be like everybody else, comfortable. Conscience not really pricked. Never called out on sin and unrighteousness. That's what the devil won't. Because you know why? If he gets you there, well, the, the rest will follow. Want you to develop a taste for worldly things, lustful things, hateful things, evil things. 
And the best way for him to do that is to get you to question. Whether or not the effort that was put in to live in holy and righteous and following the word of God was worth it. Why? Because somebody had a human moment and offended you. But because your eyes were not on the Lord, you couldn't walk past and keep right on going. We walk towards God, family. We're walking towards God. It's a journey towards God, not a journey towards everybody else. But when we get our mind off of God, we start walking towards people. Uh-uh. It's when you start walking towards people, you're going to mess up. See, when, see you, the way it works in God's kingdom is this. When you walk towards God, when you walk towards the Lord God Almighty, the people that you're supposed to come in contact with, you're going to meet them along the path. You're going to see them on the side road, near the road. You're going to see as you're traveling towards God. You don't even require you to go walking towards them. You just got to walk towards God and he'll cause you to, to you, you'll run into the people you're supposed to, that you are meant to help, that you're meant to minister to, that you're, yeah, you're going to get all that. But when you get your eyes off of God and on to people, you're going to deviate from the path and start walking towards people who are on different paths. And see, and that's a that's a that's a dangerous illusion that the enemy will because listen, the devil is not even he's not above exploiting your spirituality. You want to be a soul winner, you want to be this for God. Listen, the devil will use anything. Even if it means telling you, yeah, what well, you know what? Why don't you go over there to, you know, and, and go, go to that bar? Why don't you go over in all these other places you ain't got no business going and go witness with them and go talk to them? That's fine. Go, go ahead and go over there. You got to go, you, you, you got to get out there and go. You got to go after them. So go get in all of the same situation. Bible tells you, be careful how you pluck them out of the fire, lest you fall in it. I'm telling you, the devil is something else. And he will exploit any and everything that he can. Somebody need to hear that this morning. Somebody needs to hear that this morning. You want to be a soul winner. You want to go after, and that's a good thing. But you must be cautious. Soul winning don't require, listen, soul winning does not require sinning. By that, I mean, it doesn't require you to go commit sin. You don't have to do that to win souls. No, you don't have to go get in. You don't have to go where God tell you plainly not to go. And you don't have to do what God tell you plainly not to do in order to win a soul. You don't, no, 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 no. No, it don't work that way. It does not work that way. 
Has God delivered you from alcohol and drugs or whatever else? You don't have to jeopardize your sobriety in order to witness to somebody else who's caught up in that. Uh-uh. You stay on the path, following the word of God, going after God with everything you got. Your ministry to anybody else need to be done from the path, not off-road. Stay on the road. You and I are meant to minister while on the road. You follow the road and those who you are supposed to be dealing with and ministering to and going after, let me tell you, you're going to run into them on the course of traveling the road. It's not going to require you to go get off in the sticks somewhere. Just heading to devil central. You don't need to go over there. The devil trying to get you as far away from your strength. So he wants you to lean to your own understanding. He wants you to leave your churches where you have the standards of holiness. And go go after something where you don't have that. Don't bite that hook. Don't bite that hook. The devil don't respect you. He ain't even fishing with a worm for you. It's a rusty, nasty old hook. Plain as day. He don't even have enough respect for you to even disguise it. Refuse, family, to play the devil's game. Rebuke the devil in the name of Jesus and you keep right on moving. Don't have no dialogue with him. Don't listen. Don't don't get into no. Look here, buddy. I'm going to tell you this, that and other. Uh uh. We ain't got no words for the devil. Other than the Lord Jesus Christ rebuke you. We're not going to conversate. We're not going to have no dialogue. We're not going to get into none of that. We're going to worship the Lord our God, and we're going to only talk to him. We're not talking to strangers. We ain't dealing with all that. It's when you start conversating with the devil, compromising with the devil. Ain't that what happened to Eve? Talk too long with the devil. You can't reason with a fool. They don't want God. They don't believe God. And in their heart, they say there is no God. That's the definition of a fool. Be wise. Be wise. Don't trade your holiness 
because you got offended. If you got offended and feel you about to tap out, that just means your eyes and your focus is wrong. You're only going to tap out when your focus is wrong. Because the God that we serve gives you strength. And when you focus on him, he allow you to high step, high hurdle over the offenses. You run right through all that stuff. In the name of Jesus Christ. <laughs> What's that old saying? <laughs> Taking a, a, a licking and keep on ticking. Yeah, that's how it is. Yeah, you might have got offended and you might have got hurt and you might have got frustrated. But you ain't cast down, you're not forsaken and you're not destroyed. God is still greater than the offense. Put those offenders in the hands of God and you keep moving, family. Don't stop for nobody. Don't leave holiness on the road because without it, you're not going to see God. Don't let the devil talk you out of your inheritance that God has set aside for you. We struggle in so many ways. but we are such overcomers through Christ Jesus. Jesus does not just give victory family. He is utter victory. He is victory. You got him, you winning. You are winning so much you already won. Glory to God. All you need is Jesus. That's all I need. That's all I need. It's all you need. David made his way. But he left the flock in the care of someone who was able. To take care of them. You can't go. Listen. When offenses come and things, situations come up and, and you want to check out. The devil's going to want you to. Entertain. Loose thinking. That it ain't worth all this. All this effort. I don't need all that. So you're going to want you to think that you can substitute it that you can get the same results, holiness and all this sorts of thing for your family and for your friends and all that kind of stuff. You can have the same results going someplace else where the standards are just a little bit looser. You got a little bit more freedom. The devil wants you to think that the path of God is restricted, but that is not the case. One scripture tells that he enlarges the path beneath our feet. See, the road, the, 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 the road is straight and it's, it's narrow. 
But God does something very miraculous for those that walk this road, that walk this path. Underneath this, your feet, he enlarges your territory. He enlarges the path. In other words, to the world and to everybody else. And what the devil wants you to think is that the path of God, holiness and adhering to the scripture and the word of God is restricted. It's a burden. That's what the enemy wants you to think. That's what the world wouldn't mind if you thought. Why? Because if you thought that, you'd come and join them. But the way of holiness don't make sense to those that are perishing. They don't see it for what it is. It appears restrictive on the outside, but it's not until you are on the road. How do I get on that road? You repent of your sins. You'll be baptized in the water in the name of Jesus Christ, and you'll be filled with the Holy Ghost. When you get that, he places you on the road. And this road that seems restrictive to everybody else, what God does is that for you, he shows you all the freedom. He enlarges your path beneath you. Beneath you. Glory to God. And all of a sudden, it's straight and it's narrow. Yet at the same time, there's so much freedom and space and room in the Lord. God bless you, family. We're going to pick up next week, and we're going to continue on. God is good all the time. You have a wonderful, wonderful Sunday. I'm going to go ahead and stop the recording here. Wow. <laughs>